Good evening, everyone. Glad you have joined us on this beautiful summer weekend. A warm welcome to our guests. Glad you have joined us, and uh, we encourage you just to be open to uh, anything the good, good Father may want to speak to you about today. We encourage those who come to our church for the first time, if you're looking for a church to give us uh, six visits and then decide if this is the right place for you, uh, or make a decision sometimes on the basis of one visit, uh, you might meet something good, or you make a decision on the basis of one visit and make a commitment to the place and two months later find out why this place isn't what I thought it was. So. Uh, search and seek God's will and plans for you uh, carefully. Next weekend is a water baptismal weekend here at the neighborhood. And if you are interested in being baptized, please uh, see me after the service or email me. My email address is up on the screen even now. We would love to help you uh, follow along in this process of obeying the Lord in water baptism. This was a big week for me. It's really the story of uh, two benches. I sat down in the first bench, the one a little higher on the screen on January 28th, 2020, so a year and a half ago. And I made the decision to pray through the Psalms. You've heard me talk a lot about praying the scriptures, not just reading the scriptures. I think praying the scriptures is a much healthier way to approach God's word. God wants to speak to us through his word. So I made the decision sitting on that bench uh, in San Jose del Cabo that I was going to pray through the Psalms. Most of my praying through the Psalms has taken place either on that bench, I got a good start on that, or on a bench on the walkways in North Saskatoon that I sit on most mornings and read and pray the Psalms. This Thursday, I finished praying through 150 Psalms, a year and a half later. And then to top all of that excitement off of my own heart, we're looking at the Psalms the next five weekends, and I get to preach the first sermon. And uh, I'm looking really forward to what God would want to speak to us about. The book of Psalms is made up of five books, at least in the way that the Jewish people have divided the book of Psalms. They call Psalms 1 to 41, book 1. They call 42 to 72, book 2. It's actually, if you go in your Bible, it's probably right above Psalm 42. It will say book 2. Psalm 40, uh, 73 to 89 is book three. 
and Psalm the 90 to 106 is book 4. Psalm 107 to 150 is book 5. Every one of those books ends with a strong doxology, a, an expression of praise and, and worship to God. And so while I was gone, uh, leaders, uh, staff in our church had the opportunity to nominate some psalms from each of the five books. And then if you were paying attention to the opportunities on our website and Facebook, you had an opportunity to vote on what psalm you wanted preached on from each of the books. And in your voting, uh, you chose Psalm 27 as the book we would look at uh, in the first book of the psalms. So if you don't like this psalm, it's your fault. Everybody else voted for it. And if you didn't vote, uh, vote next year. We'll probably do some psalms in the summer next year too. So uh, as I've read this psalm over and over this week, studied it, prayed over it, uh, the title for my message tonight is A Grand Strategy for Confident Living. A Grand Strategy for confident living. Let's pray. Father, we just right now make the decision to listen carefully to what you want to say to us tonight. Come Holy Spirit and help us to learn and grow in this whole area of how you want us to live our lives. Be the teacher now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As I read this over and over, I became increasingly confident that this chapter is about living confidently. Uh, it seems to me that that's the theme of this chapter. Let me read out of the English Standard Version, verses 1 to 3 of, uh, of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? And when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Wow. And then we go to verse number 13, and now I'm going to read out of the New International Version, uh, verse 13 of Psalm uh, 27. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This psalm is David's reflection on confident living. Let's be uh, absolutely honest 
with the reality of life tonight. Sometimes, even for Christians, life sucks. Life can be challenging. We walk through grief. We are not immune from sickness. Christians suffer. We have sorrows. We are imprisoned. Our dreams are shattered. It happens to Christians. It happens to Christians. Don't know much about uh, this psalm. Many of the psalms have kind of captions on top of them that give you a little bit of background to when they were written. All this psalm says at the top of it is Psalm of David. That's all we know. But when you read uh, the chapter, you get a pretty quick picture that things weren't really going all that well for David. Evildoers, verse number two, were assailing him. He had adversaries and foes. Uh, he's saying, man, if this gets so big that I feel like an army is encamping against me, the war rise against me. Verse number 12, uh, the adversaries come against me. False witnesses rise against me. They breathe out violence. This is not a good time in King David's life. It's a difficult time. It's a challenging time. Dark time. And yet in all of this, David says, the end of verse number three, Yet I will be confident. Yet I will be confident. Huh. Living in this amazing confidence. Verse number 13. I remain confident of this. Things may be bad, but I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David had this amazing confidence in God. Even in the dark and gruesome and disappointing times of life, he was not shaken. He said, I'm still going to be confident. I will be confident. So what's the grand strategy for living like that. What strategy do we have to put in place to live confidently? Even in the darkest and most dismal times of our life, and some of you even tonight may be in a dark and dismal time, how do we stay confident in the hard times? Well, here's the first thing you need to do. You always start with God. You always start with God. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? How do you, how do you, what do you do here when things are dark? How do you stay confident? 
One, you always start with God. Next slide, I think, Jordan. Uh, how do you live confidently? Next slide, I think, again. You always start with God. Why? Why do you run to him? Why do you run to him? Because he's your light. He's your salvation. He's your stronghold. You say, I don't like the word stronghold there. That, what's that mean? Many versions just say, the Lord is my strength. We're going through the hard times. What do we do? We run to him who is our light. We run to him who is our salvation. We always start with God and God's abilities when we're confronted with problems. We remember that the Lord is our strength. We don't understand uh, the importance of light in our world like they would understand it here. Because it's never, ever really dark if you live in the city. It's never really, really dark. There's always some lights on somewhere. There's never this pitch black darkness that that the writers of this book would have understood. This, this was pre-electricity time. When I was seven or eight years old, my dad uh, decided to build us a summer cottage in Sylvan Lake. Uh, and he built us a nice little humble three-bedroom cottage. It had no indoor plumbing and it had no electricity. And we'd often leave Calgary at seven o'clock or eight o'clock on Friday evening, and we would drive up uh, to Sylvan Lake. And what's the first thing Dad did when we walked into this dark cabin? He found the kerosene lamps, and he got some light on. Because until you could see things, uh, it was really hard to do anything. Friends, when your problems come, and problems do come, yes, Christians do have problems. If you've been taught something else over the years, throw that out of your memory bank. Christians do have problems. When the problems come, we always start with God. We always run to him. We always go to him and ask him to bring light. We always go to him with confidence that he's going to be our strength in this. He's going to be the one who saves us. He's going to be the one who pulls us through. We always, always start with God. I was district superintendent of the Saskatchewan district for eight years. Great honor. But in the middle of it, I felt like I was losing my soul. I felt like I wasn't centered anymore. And I remember the day when I went and talked to the district administrator and said, I'm not coming in here early anymore. There, I would walk in there, and as soon as I walked in there, there was phone calls, there were piles of paper, there were phone calls to make, and, and I was just getting drained. I said, I've got to get back. i got to get back to starting 
my day with the Lord. No matter what you're going through, friends, start with the Lord. And after you've got your eyes focused on him, after, after, after you're centered on him, after you recognize that, yeah, he's my light, he's my strength here, he's going to be my salvation, after you've got to that place, then go confront your problems. Don't go confront your problems if you haven't got to Jesus first. Always start with the Lord. And once your soul is confident, once you remember who he is, then you walk into the challenges. Don't walk into the challenges first. Start with the Lord and then march into the problem. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David gets that settled in his soul. And then he says, When evildoers assail me, eat up my flesh, adversaries and foes uh, come. In the end, it's going to be them who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. He walked into the problem after his heart and eyes and spirit were focused on Jesus. A lot of emphasis in, in our present culture on the importance of raising confident kids. Unfortunately, that's partly true, but it's not all true. We need to be confident, but our confidence should never be in ourselves. It has to start with Jesus and, uh, and who he is. We have to know who our Savior is. We have to know where our strength is coming from. I, this is not an unfamiliar story to you. Mark chapter uh, 14, Jesus uh, talks about the fact that he's going to be betrayed. There's a plot to kill him. He's going to be crucified. And Peter listens to all that. And this is what Peter says. Verse number 29, Mark chapter 14. Even though they all fall away, not going to happen to me. Those other idiots, they might fall, but Jesus, I, I'm special. I got the stuff to be able to stand in all of this. Jesus says back to him, verse number 30, Mark 14. I got something to tell you, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. He said, nah, away, Jesus. If I have to die with you, I'll not de deny you. All kinds of confidence in himself. <laughs> Those other guys, they might fall, but I won't. I will not. All kinds of confidence. Friends, our confidence 
always has to start with him. It has to be deeply rooted in him. It has to be grounded in the reality that he is our light, he is our strength, and he is our salvation. Self-confidence will always take you to a place where Peter found himself weeping bitterly and thinking, oh God, how could I have been so stupid to be relying on my own ability? Think I was so special that I could make it when nobody else would. Start with Jesus. My mother-in-law passed away, I don't know what, two and a half years ago now. Left a big hole in, uh, in my wife's life and heart. My wife uh, phoned her mom almost every night for the last 20 years of her mom's life. And, and I didn't hear the other side of the conversation, but Donna was usually on the Chesterfield while I was on a recliner uh, talking to her mom and Donna would talk about something that's going on in our life and her mom would often quote to Donna Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 35 uh, and it says do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward, friends. Uh, there's great things that happen when we learn to have confidence in him no matter what we are going through. Donna, don't throw your confidence away. Confidence brings great reward. So what's this grand strategy for, for, for living? Well, always start with God, then confront your problems, and then go back to God. Then go back to God. One thing, verse number four, Psalm 27, have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David began by saying, my eyes are on Jesus. He looked at his problem, and then he went right back to God, and he says, the thing I want in my life above anything else, O oh Lord, is you. One thing I desire, O oh Lord, is to see your beauty. One thing, one thing I desire is to see your beauty. Start with Jesus. Yes, life has problems. Go confront them, but then run straight back to him. Keep your eyes focused on him. So, what makes this strategy work? So, with those things in mind, start with God then confront your problems, and then run right back to God. With that, with that in mind, 
uh, start with God, then confront your problems, and then run right back to God. What, what, what's some practical suggestions I can give here that will help you, help you live that out? So rephrasing the question a bit, what makes the strategy work? Well, first of all, number one, you have to believe in God. You have to believe in God. David says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. He just believed. I believe, no matter what I'm going through, that my God is a good, good father, and my God is going to work all things together for good. He had this confidence in God that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the circumstance and situation he was working, walking through. He says, I am going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and he believed it with all of his heart. I got home from my walk and my sit, sitting on the bench, on Friday morning, and I, I read through this psalm again. 14 verses, 13 times in 14 verses, you read the phrase, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. The Lord. 13 times in 14 verses, the Lord. His belief, his confidence was in him i invite you if you're here tonight and 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 you haven't built your life on a confidence in him i invite you to to go on a journey uh, and include god on the journey a young ensign in the uh American Navy, an ensign is the equivalent of a second lieutenant in the army. It's a low-level but commissioned officer. After his first assignment of, of duty, at the very end of it, he was given the opportunity to uh, launch the boat, get the boat started, the starting of the boat, getting it out to sea. Great honor. Uh, in the Navy, and uh, he took charge and grabbed the microphone and had people dancing all over that ship. And when it was all said and done, he set a new record, first time he'd launched a boat, a new record for launching a ship in the United States Navy. Everybody's clapping and cheering and so excited about how smoothly this young ensign had been able to get the ship to sea. And then he got a congratulatory note over the radio. It's a little surprised that the captain was talking to him over the radio, but he said to him, congratulations on getting the ship out to sea in record times. You were organized, you were efficient, you had uh, the other members of the crew uh, lined up and performing their functions really, really well. Uh, my only comment to you was you missed one unwritten rule. 
make sure the captain is aboard before getting underway. The captain was talking to him on the radio because he was on the shore. <laughs> ah. How often do we live like that? Got to get something done here. Quick, 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 quick. No, make sure you've got the captain on board. Make sure you've got the captain on board. Start with God. Believe he's the difference maker. Make sure he's on the journey with you. And then secondly, the second key, I think, is you, you have to live a one-thing life. You have to live a one-thing life. One thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing. May dwell in your house. I'm going to seek after this. I'm going to gaze on your beauty. Lord, I want my life to be centered around your presence and your beauty and, and knowing you and being with you. One thing, one thing life. That's uh, King David's one thing. God showed up and Asked Solomon what his one thing would be, and he says, I, I want wisdom to be able to lead. I think that's a great request from King Solomon, but I think this one from his dad is even better. Oh God, the one thing I want is to know your beauty, to know your presence. To fellowship with you in the temple, the one thing I desire, oh God, is intimacy with you. Can I ask you a question? If God showed up tonight, maybe you're just falling asleep, getting ready for a night of rest. If God showed up and asked you, what's one thing you really want from me? What would your answer be? David was a one-thing man. We talked about it last weekend here. Friends, our lives have to be all about him. We have to be all in. We have to be all in. We have to be immersed in him. We have to be baptizoed. Forgive my ugly feet, friends, but... There's no confidence in life from being a toe-dipper. Confidence comes from being all in. Being focused totally on him and his purposes and his desires. You have to live... Uh, a one thing life. And then, yeah, thirdly, have to wait. Thirdly, you have to wait. Psalm 27, 
and verse number 14. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Worship band coming along, please. So many of our problems come because we're quitters and we give up. So many of our problems come because we're not willing to wait for God to look after our situation and our circumstance. So we just make a bunch of plans for ourselves instead of going to the Lord and saying, oh God, I trust you as my, the one I'm going to rely on here. You're my strength. You're my light. You're going to lead me through this. We start planning instead of just waiting. Instead of just waiting. Meet for prayer at 9.45 a.m. in this uh, sanctuary Wednesday to Friday over the summer. We'll get back to Monday to Friday come the fall. Heard a great story from one of our guys, and I closed with this on Friday. Needed a new vehicle. And he said he went to look at 12 of them, and every time he looked at a vehicle, it fell through. And he was grumbling to God about how he's working real hard at trying to find a vehicle and nothing's happening here. And God said to him, "Uh, why don't you take your hands off this and let me look after it? This week, uh, there was a vehicle in Swift Current that he wanted and made a proposal on and it was just, it just didn't have everything he needed to be able to buy it. And so phone back and said, I'd like it, but I really, I really can't do and give you what you want for it. Lady said, she, she was handling it for her parents who were trying to sell it. She said, I'll, I'll phone my parents, see what they think. She phoned them back and said, my parents are Christians. They're going to pray about it. I'll let you know tomorrow. He says, well, that's interesting. He's phoned the next morning and said, my parents decided to give you the van for nothing. Come, Friends, God's got a plan. And sometimes we make our life so much more difficult because we're trying to solve it ourselves. Always start with him. And wait for him to work it out for you. And you'll discover he's a good, good father. A good, good God. Let's stand and rest in this wonderful truth. A grand strategy for confident living.